Oh my goodness, we are back in the studio. Kidding, it's just my bedroom. <laughs> and Sham's living room, I think. That's where, is that where you're recording these days? Yeah, it's it's, it's living room. The uh, mm-hmm. the bedroom is where the wife, wife is all the time, so I come into your living room for myself. For myself ah. and you lovely folks. Yes, yes, for us, for us. Um, so we're recording this intro kind of very late. Yeah. Um, this is literally the episode drops in less than three hours. <laughs> yeah, it's it's taken some time to really get myself together, and I'm I'm going to be super honest about that. It was my birthday on Sunday. I was super um, excited to spend the day doing absolutely nothing because I work these long, grueling hours at my in person job at the moment. That is life of an adult. You look forward to doing nothing. Yeah, right? Like, you were like, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to go to brunch? You're going to go to whatever? Because usually, you know, I'm the brunch queen. Like, I'll pick a great brunch spot. We'll all go because I love food. So I'm picking somewhere with amazing food and bottomless drinks. And I mean, that's the only way to do it. It doesn't count brunch. There's no unlimited drinks. Exactly. And it's COVID-19, you know, it's, Mm. it's all this stuff going on. And I had to stay late night before at work. So I ended up working a 12 plus hour shift. Um, and it was just like, it was just not, I was not trying to do that. I mean, also not anyway, because Rona, I'm not trying to invite Rona to my parties. But also, I was just, it was just a lot, guessed. just a lot. And as it gets closer and closer to the election, I was just feeling very, very stressed out. Like, I didn't even realize I was stressed out until I realized, oh, you, you can't do anything. I literally, I can't read. I can't, I can't, I can barely do anything. What's yeah, happening is, with that me? That is happening as we're speaking. And it's, it's very stressful. I'm not even in the country and I, I'm feeling the stress for all of y'all over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm in Florida. So you, you can see how it's going down here. Yeah. It is it is a thing and um it's been very scary. I'll I'll be honest about that. Um even on my way to work today, you know, there are the big trucks and the flags, you know, Trump, you know, vote for Trump, yada yada, the rednecks hooting, hollering, whatever it is they're doing. It is it is a lot out here. So anyone listening to this or anyone who's decided to listen to podcasts the week of the election, God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. Yeah, hopefully we can provide some kind of escape, maybe. Well, except for this part. But after this part, we have an escape for you. Yes, yes. I mean, this is just to let you guys know what's going on and what's happening and probably why the show notes might take a couple of days to update in the prettiest format on the website. In our actual episode thing, the show notes are pretty standard. But I try to do very detailed show notes for the website so people can like read along and stuff. And that might take me a couple of days just because of life. Life. Yeah, life is happening. <laughs> yeah. And I- I'm honest about that. I, I-, I don't want to hide that from you guys that uh, bitch be out here suffering. So <laughs> I had a great birthday. That's the most important part of this conversation here. My birthday was on November 1st. I had a great day. Um, that's why you didn't really notice any social media presence from either of us because we're just like, yeah, let's take a break for Jen's birthday. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. The, the, the social media is also doing nothing for her birthday. Right. It's like, yeah, just cool out and chill and, and do get food bought for me. That was bomb. You know, I got to talk to amazing people and yeah, it was, it was, it was fabulous. And now we are here 
we're queer. Well, I'm queer. I'm not sure what Champ's doing over there. Still straight, I guess. Yes, yep. Um, I'm working on it. I'm not going to work on it, but <laughs> I'm still straight to report. But so, I'll provide you with any updates as they may come. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This, well, you know what? I can't even say that on this. I'm going to say this for story for Patreon because it's fucking hilarious. But oh, it involves right. a friend of ours who made a comment about being attracted to men through his girlfriend and uh, then pretended like he never said it it's fine um (laughs) so yeah so we're here we're doing the thing and first things first i want to talk to you about poly dallas millennium 2020 so it's almost here we did a giveaway on the episode last week and uh all they had to do was like dm us and tell us who you're most looking forward to seeing at pdm and we chose our winner, but their Instagram name is their actual name. So I'm not going to read it out loud. The point is just that we've chosen a winner. They know who they are and they will be receiving one free registration to Poly Dallas Millennium 2020. Cue confetti, cue mm. cannons of applause and glitter and things. Cue all of that. Other sound effects. That I can't <laughs> That's right. Thank you, sound effects champ for making that happen for us. And so we did that. It's great. Um, I'm hosting the opening night ceremonies on November 6th, which is this Friday with Pages Matam. Uh, Pages is an international writer, poet. He's, he's a lot of things. I'm, I'm a content creator. You guys know me from doing this. I have another podcast, Blatchelorettes. Um, I do, uh, I do lots of things. <laughs> yes. I, I do things. I do so the things. Come on and support Polydas Menium so you can also support yes. them because she's, she's out That's here doing right. things. I'm out here doing the things. Um, we might have a shop set up for our merch. I'm not saying that we will. I'm also not saying we won't. We'll see what happens. Um, so Keep that way you guys out. can, you know, pop into the little vendor space. But you should definitely take advantage of everything PDM has to offer. I mean, amazing keynote speakers, Dr. James Wadley, Polyamorous Black Girl, um, Evita Lucas Sawyers, uh, Ruby doing her thing with the entire PDM team and it is huh, bomb.com. Like it is just splendid, amazing, fantabulous. And you can still get tickets today. So we'll put the link in our show notes, of course, for you guys to just clicky clicky and get a ticky ticky. Is that, is that yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that was, but it's a thing now. Well, you can have that one for free, Polly Dallas, man. And that's your uh, unofficial tagline for getting tickets. <laughs> Clicky, clicky, and get a ticky, ticky. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, I so want that one. They, I, we'll, we'll see. You know, maybe they will. We don't know. We don't know. So that's what I have going on. Um, Kingtober was great. I had a great time in Kingtober. We talked to bomb people, which we've already discussed. Um, Sham, what's going on with you? What's been happening in the past couple of days? Uh, not much. Uh, you know, like I said, celebrating your birthday. What? Right now, there's a whole lot of nothing over here. Just chilling with, you know, waiting for the podcast to come out, all that wonderful stuff. Oh, we had a we had a nice little chat over on Patreon, but we will uh, <laughs> on that later. But, oh, uh, the Patreon. Fun stuff happening over there. Spicy, spicy conversations. Yeah, I, I feel like Patreon is where we can truly express certain ideas. Yeah. And, um... You know, people respect the sanctity that is Patreon. So we respect them and we appreciate our patrons for riding with us. Special shout out to Vanilla Rose, a.k.a. V Rose. Y'all know her from, uh, what's that, episode three, four? From an episode that we had. 
Episode four of season two. There you go. See, I'm good at numbers and stuff. I know things. You're just knowing the stuff off the top of your head or having yeah. it in front of you. No, no. I, it's actually like this is memory. That's why I didn't get it right the first time. But yeah, uh, viewers on episode four, she talks about um, aromanticism and her poly. And she's also one of our diehard patrons. So yay, snaps for me. More sound effects. <laughs> there we go. See, I did the snap this time. That was me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... Uh, we've updated you on that. Uh, what else is happening out there in the universe, Jim? What's happening with Alt Playground? For our friends over at Alt Playground, well, as you may know, Alt Playground is forever, always growing larger and larger. And even larger still with the acquisition of Love Voodoo. Love Voodoo. I don't know if that's a jingle. <laughs> uh, it is now. <laughs> But now, about how much? About half a million former Love Voodoo members have been granted trial memberships as Alt Playground to hopefully become full memberships because once they try it out, how could they not want to stay with the family? And I don't know if y'all know this, but that's a lot of people. 500,000 people coming over from Love Voodoo to Alt Playground, just making one even bigger, happier family. That's right. That's right. You know how we do. Like, Alt Playground is really working hard to bring lifestylers and non-monogamous people to one convenient, fun place. And that means even more sexy people for you to connect with across the United States. Now, we're not international like FetLife and whatever is, but we are like expanding rapidly across the continental U.S., which is amazing. And we have our community there. We post things there. We share, they have a podcast corner where you can listen to our episodes and other episodes. People like, you know, living the sweet life with uh, Locke and Trist. Hey, Locke. Hey, Trist. How y'all doing? And we have amazing, amazing, amazing creators. There's the big wall. There's forums. You know what? There's there's a lot of stuff happening at Alt Playground. So you guys need to go to altplayground.net today. Today, like right now. Are you typing? I hope you are. <laughs> yes. Get go. on over do there. It, do it now. Get on over there. Go there, then come back. (laughs) Sign up. Join our community. Monogamish Pod, in case you weren't sure. Yeah. Monogamish Pod if you're nasty or something. And uh, we will see you over there at Alt Playground. But um, until then, I'm Jen. I'm Sham. And And we're we're monogamish. Maybe. It looked like it kind of synced up with a little squiggly thingy. guys now that we've bored you with all our important intro stuff let's talk about this week's episode so i've kind of hijacked the entire month of november for the podcast you're probably wondering jen what does that mean it means i decided that in celebration of national novel writing month aka nano remo november is all about books it's all about books and book clubby things and book related people as it relates to non-monogamy and polyamory. So that's what we're doing for November. It's my birthday present to myself. It's using like a the hostile podcast. takeover, except <laughs> not at all hostile, because I was like, all right, if you want to do more work, 
Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I interviewed a couple of amazing people this month. Um, Sham and I also interviewed some amazing people. So it's going to be bomb for you guys to hear everything that we have in store for you guys. Uh, we're also still scheduling interviews, not for this month, obvi, but for the months to come with other lifestyles. You're doing like swinging and, you know, it's just, yeah. We're not going on. A lot of eyes in the stuff. fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a lot of pans on the fire and all the things. And so this week, I talked to Katrina Jackson. You guys might remember her from an episode in season one. It was season one, episode nine, Penny Dreadfuls and Thruples. And uh, we talked about her work then and her, you know, journey into writing romance, specifically non-monogamous romance. And this particular interview, we're talking a bit more about representation in polyamorous romance so we're trying to find more black non-monogamous and polyamorous romance novels in the wild and just so you guys know before you get all excited there's going to be a shit ton of wrecks there is not there are not that many of them so <laughs> Petrina we can't talk do it about that one, unfortunately she can't she can't we do have some other authors who are rocking the thing and we do mention them in the interview but I don't want to take away too much from that for y'all. I want y'all to just hear it and be making your notes on your own. And uh, we do, just so you guys know, I don't know if you guys know this, but every time Katrina and I get together, we have very, very long conversations. It goes all over the place. So what you guys are hearing is about an hour and change of conversation. Then I probably cut out an, at least another two hours out of it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So there's that. Uh, without further ado, here is Katrina Jackson and my conversation. Today, we are very importantly here to talk about polyamory and romance yet again with the lovely, amazing, fantastic <laughs> Katrina Jackson. And tired, sure. I mean, mine sounds better. Just so you guys know, mine sounds better. It's Katrina Jackson. Uh, you may have seen me talking about her on social media all the time. And, um, you know, she's been a frequent guest on Shelf Love Podcast. Andrea is also a friend of the show, which means that I, you know, get to bother her whenever I want. So there's that, too. Um, you know, Katrina Jackson, she is like a super smart person, like a professor and stuff. So... As someone who is not a professor, it means that she gets to give all these like intellectual takes and I get to sit here and be in awe of her and like not really excitedly like I'm a freshman. I don't, uh, I don't feel like that's happening. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, some, sometimes it happens when you least expect it. I it's, I it's also like why I kind of understand how when kids go away to college, they kind of fall half in love with like a professor or two. Like, I don't expect you to act on it ever because that's gross. But like, we kind of fall in love a little bit. It's kind of like, wow, you're opening my eyes to this whole new world. It's like Ariel and the Little Mermaid. And like, <laughs> she's on the rock and she's singing and like, she sees him and it's like, wow, this is amazing. I feel and like if you don't expect that shit, you get in trouble. I feel like you're skipping the obvious Aladdin reference, though. Like, if you're talking about a whole new world, like, it just kind of. Yeah, I know, but like I also I watched the new Aladdin and I didn't like it. So I've never seen the new Aladdin. I am only here for the oh. perfection and I'm certain like terrible cultural insensitivity of the animated feature, which I was obsessed with as a kid. So, mm, so I'm, not, I'm not gonna ruin the perfection of that memory with <laughs> with the live action one. 
That makes sense. And you were right. You were right to do that. I wish I had done that, but I, I had not. <laughs> I had not. The lead actor's hair, like the lead actor is really hot and not, not when they cut it, but the way they styled his hair in the film, I was like, but Aladdin was literally so attractive. How have you made this also attractive man, not attractive to play an attractive cartoon? I don't understand. I, and I tell you, I was, who was I talking to? No, I was listening to, um, lit wallflowers and romance at a glance is crossed over where we were talking about how beast from beauty and the beast is kind of what probably started a lot of these little girls on their monster fetishes now and like being attracted <laughs> to like you know gargoyles and beasts from beauty and the beast and how disappointed she was when he turned into a man and she was like he's not even as good looking what's up with this guy yeah mine was so mine was literally gargoyles like that was the best cartoon and i forget his name um oh it'll come to me as soon as we're off but the main gargoyle fine as hell he was he was really hot i'm not even gonna lie about that i i too was a convert from the the creature standpoint at a very young age um welcome to the club everyone else who's joined late to the party hi (laughs) nice to meet you we have snacks we have snacks (laughs) But so Katrina Jackson has written some, you know, non-monogamous romance. She writes a lot of queer characters, which definitely works for me in my real life. And today, I mean, I'm still, she has a book coming out later this year with some of my favorite characters. So there's that. (laughs) There is that. Uh, Not that I've been pressuring her asking about it repeatedly or anything. No one for that one because it's not, I wasn't supposed to write it. So it's literally here. (laughs) Yeah, it's here. Take a book. (laughs) No, it's okay. I appreciate it. But you are one of the few Black authors that I've seen writing non-monogamous and polyamorous romance. Not that they don't exist and that some of them are not out here writing stuff, but you were probably one of the more popular ones. Oh, why okay. why are, isn't for me like because i mean also polyamorous romance is also not really mainstream so you can't even be like oh yeah there's so many of them in traditional publishing in the market <laughs> like oh yeah just a throw stone and hit it no you don't you do not you do not so we're here and i mean i you're one of the first ones that i found in my search at the time because all the other ones i saw were very white um lovely lovely people lovely stories but also very white and uh not as much with the inclusion of it and still also very like hetero focused so even though the characters were queer it's also kind of like well yeah we're two men in love with the same woman but they're the ones that woman is the thing that makes us kind of like less gay yeah or you know it's a, a lot of weird politics around that um, I think the only one that I read that wasn't exactly like that was uh, Nicola Davidson. Is that am I saying that right? Yeah, I think it's Nicola Davidson. Or is it Megan Mallory? No, it's Nicola Davidson. Um, she has a series, and it was kind of like, yeah, we we're dudes and we've been fucking and shit, and you know, but we have to get married for our thing, but we're still gonna be fucking. Oh, if we found these bitches and they fucking each other, <laughs> oh, even better. So you marry that one, I marry that one. We're we're together. Perfect. Works for me. This was a historical. Yeah, historical. It's okay. it's all the interesting polyamorous romances that I've read with white people are historicals. Okay. And I, I'm honest about that at least. I've I've read some of the contemporary ones. It just doesn't it doesn't hit the same. It doesn't hit the same. Okay. But it's fine. So 
What, why do you think that not as many people are trying to include black characters in polyamorous romance? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't really want to speak for anyone else. I would say that there actually are, I mean, it's a bit of a conundrum, right? So it's kind of hard to speak in absolutes because there just, there just isn't a lot, right? Even though there are a few people who are um, sort of writing romance with polyamorous characters, um, so few of them are black and um, so few of them that pool has black characters or more than one black character. So it just like, it's really difficult to sort of speak about motivations when we're talking about like a fairly small or what can feel like a really, a fairly small sample size. I will say though, depending on like the vantage point you're coming from, like if we're talking about black indies, I think there's not enough queer romance in Black indie spaces, period, of any sort. Although that also is changing. And then I get the feeling that that has been the case primarily because there was an assumption made on someone's part. I do not know who um, or, you know, you know, who are the many people who might have thought this, that Black readers wouldn't read that, um, wouldn't read, you know, queer Black romances, which has recently, which is because... I don't know. I mean, that has never been true either. So it just, but I think the thing that I, I kind of hear is this sort of like the conversation happening in the ether and then what's happening on the ground, right? So the assumption that like Black readers um, aren't looking for like queer indies is not true. But you see that come up when, you know, people ask like why so much queer romance by authors of color has like, is either all white or has like a lot of white people in it. Um, and it's the assumption that like readers of color, in particular Black readers, don't want that. But um, that has not been my experience. But I also wasn't thinking about that when I started writing like queer polyamorous characters. I was like, I just want to write what I want to write. <laughs> and then those books have found an audience which is really diverse. And yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I I I understand. I don't even want to say I understand the assumption, but I can see how that assumption could be made when you look at certain indie authors followings right and i'm saying this i'm trying to be as nice as possible when i say this there is a lot of homophobia and transphobia that pops up in certain spaces and i i have sadly seen it a lot recently in the follower of one particular indie author. Oh, um, tell me offline. Yeah, offline. <laughs> yeah, particular <laughs> indie author, and you know they have a group, and you know people talk about their books in the group, but that group now has started talking about, of course, you know outside social things, and it's like, oh yeah, um, why did Nisi Nash marry a woman who looks like a man instead of just being with a man? Oh God. Or. Um, Someone posted something as Zane actually posted it on their page. You know, Zane from back in the day, <laughs> writing those books, those nasty books that we mm-hmm. liked when we were like maybe 14 or something. I don't know. Way too, um, young. <laughs> way too young for that. But yeah, so Zane shared this like screenshot of someone trying to talk about, oh yeah, you know, my husband wants to have kids and I'm trans and he doesn't know. So I can't have kids. Like, how do I tell him or should I just leave? And so someone shared that into the same author group and the comments were just 
disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this these people are exactly why people don't think yeah. we know about things. And someone, another author, used a particular model for a cover for a book. And they're like, oh, that nigga gay. Don't you know? Like, da, 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 da. And all these words and thoughts about how dare you choose a model who is gay in real life to portray a hot straight character. Mm. Yeah. So I can say I've seen it yeah. <laughs> with my eyes. So I understand if you're listening to those people, why you would think no one wants to see queer romance or, you know, not monogamous romance because these things don't match their idea yeah. of how black people are supposed to be because people still think polyamory is a white thing like that's some white people shit and we don't need and that gay shit is that white people shit that they put onto black people oh i've heard that from someone the other day and i was like oh child i think i need to pray to your god for you because you need to come save your life immediately (laughs) but so it it is it is hard out there when you're trying to fight against certain stereotypes that exist. But I i mean, there's still this idea that I have that I'm trying to break that once you are indie or once you're trying, once you are not a part of the, the mainstream traditional binary that you should be willing to push boundaries. And so it's the same thing where it's like, you know, conservative swingers and things. I'm like, what, but how can you be a conservative swinger who doesn't believe in rights for this when you you were just out here sucking dick lap hot what so that's that's something i'm trying to fix with my own brain right. <laughs> to understand where people are coming from but it is it is interesting still that even in this you know diverse indie space a lot of these um prejudices trickle through that's 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 a nice way to say that. Yeah, it's a, it is a nice way to say that. Um, and it is really fresh. I mean, I'll say this, right? Like, I mean, I be, I benefit from only engaging when and where I want to. <laughs> like, I definitely, um, there was a tweet running around that was like, you know, I wish I didn't, um, I wish I didn't know how to sort of think critically because y'all out here ignorant, y'all seem so happy. <laughs> And, or something like that. And that is how I operate for the most part <laughs> Like when it comes to like the, like what the market in quotation marks, what that wants. I don't really know. And I don't really care because, and I have absolutely um, seen people only read certain books of mine, um, which read as, you know, head, um, even though there are queer characters in all my books. And I have seen people only read um, the books are more that are more overtly queer. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, you can sort of take that as you as you like it. But I don't take like input. Like it's not like, um, oh, I wish you, you know, wrote like fewer queer characters. That's cool. Don't care. Right. I wish you like wrote more white characters. Also don't care. Like I'm literally writing exactly what I want to write because I I feel like if I'm going to be indie, that's what I should be doing, right? Like, that's the benefit. But I also, you know, have had to learn the hard way that when some people talk about the freedom of being an indie, they don't mean that everyone should have that, right? They mean that I should, you know, at the individual level, like, you know, me and my friends, we should be able to write whatever we want. 
um, regardless of if it's harmful, regardless of if it's homophobic or racist. Like, I mean, they don't really mean that broadly, right? I don't even know if, if that sort of makes sense, but like the idea that like being an indie should like be pushing back at these like sort of boundaries of traditional publishing and the sort of boundaries of placed on it by like having to sell toward a, a, a sort of market that always feels very limited to me. They don't really mean that sort of indie space should be better <laughs> than that other space necessarily. Some do. Um, and I find them really mm-hmm. inspiring, but a lot of people are just like, I want to sell my books and I will, you know, do anything. I will compromise whatever ethical sort of standard I have to do so. And that's really frustrating. And that was a hard lesson to learn. And that was when I started to see not just the, you know, sort of homophobia and queerphobia and transphobia, but also the overt anti-Blackness, you know, in some of these same spaces, right? They're supposed to be safe for Black Indies. Like, it's just been... I feel like what we talked like a year ago <laughs> like, and I feel like in a year I'm like, yikes, <laughs> like, that has been yes. my learning takeaway of like the past year, just a smooth yikes. <laughs> 2020 has had everybody showing a version of themselves to other people that we did not need to know existed. That, no. That's how I will say it. Um, people are out here just, being themselves. And that is absolutely great for you, sir. But I would really rather you have not told me this about you. (laughs) That's also something to say about accessibility, right? People are too accessible these days. So you're problematic. Okay. So authors that you love that you didn't know were problematic before, there was no social media back in the day like that. You wouldn't, you would never have found out the things that we have found out about some of these people that about them without social media having existed in this way and them feeling comfortable to share their, I guess we can call them views, I suppose. But yeah, <laughs> yeah 2020 has, has revealed a lot about people. Yeah. I don't, mm, and, and most of it was not great. No, most of it was not. Some of it was great, like, to be honest. Like, I mean, not as much, but some of it was, you know, amazing. Um, randomly, the thing that popped to mind as being amazing is like this weird, like, wig situation happening between like Rebecca Weatherspoon, Jody Slaughter, and Jack Harmon. <laughs> Yes, that is. I love that though. <laughs> that makes me like so happy. That's also like a trifecta of like three of my favorite like queer like black authors. It's like they're just posting random wigs and doing the most, and it makes me so happy. <laughs> that that was that was a highlight of twenty twenty. I'll give you that. And Jack's nails also. Amazing. I hate Jack. His nails are perfect. You know, like, I don't have hands like that. My little sausage fingers can't look like that. Meanwhile, I'm out here like, give me my acrylics back. I don't, like, these brittle nails do not do that. Ooh, child. I mean, yeah, we, we have seen some great joy this year. I'll give you that. Um, You know, actually, Rebecca's book, Harbor, yeah. came out this year. And that was, like, wow. That's my I mean, review. Yeah. Right. I mean, first of all. I did not even see the start of this story going the way it did. I mean, I should have known from the series, of course, that it was going to be some some shit like that. But I was like, wow, y'all are really just being fucked up out here in these streets. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but I, you know, I'm not going to spoil it how they get together for the listeners. But let's just say I did not expect it. I did not expect that to be the thread that pulled them together. Yeah, that's actually my favorite series by Rebecca. Um... And I was really sad to see it go. Um, 
I feel like I could just say like everywhere. I'm so sad to see it go. But um, it's my favorite series partially because of how unexpected it is. And I don't know if it's just me and where I am emotionally when I read, where I was emotionally when I read Harbor versus when I read, what was the first one called? Um, Sanctuary? Was that the first no, one? No, Sanctuary is book two. It's my, it's my favorite of the series. Oh. Um, the oh. first, hmm. um, I don't know why I'm trying to pretend like I can't just look it up. Right. But... <laughs> I don't, that one starts really like true crimey brutal and somehow Haven, Haven, Haven. Haven. And I, I mean, I love the book. It starts really true crimey brutal. And this one starts, especially for this series, so much softer. And it was, I needed that. Like it's, it's all like emotional, like emotionally wrought, which I really love. Um, So it didn't, hit me in the same like I need to take a break way it hit me in a let me sink into this for the next you know few hours way which to end a series is a really nice way to end but to end that series in that way was also really kind of her I could talk about like great things about Rebecca and her books forever but yeah like I love that book and it was such a nice capper on um what is my favorite series by her no, it, it really was. I mean, yes, when you're comparing it to definitely comparing it to Haven, this was probably the softest book in the series. <laughs> <laughs> like, hands down, absolutely, this was all softness. And actually, it also kind of, well, if you are a reader of Rebecca Weatherspoon, you kind of also see how a lot of these books are connected, right? So, you know, you have Zenny and Rafe, which are kind of like the outside of the series sort of thing but then you kind of realize like oh this zenny thing ties in together with yeah. harbor and with other stuff and yeah. oh wow yeah this makes sense is that rebecca weatherspoon's good at taking you places uh, i'll give her that um but harbor for me like i said it was just very very i didn't wow harbor was the dream for me <laughs> harbor, harbor was harbor was it, it was so good and i appreciated seeing all of the characters in the romance being black. Yeah. Like I really appreciated that because it like I said, it doesn't happen often. It really, yeah. really doesn't. And seeing a black triad come together in this way. And having and I don't it sounds weird to say this, but having the men do things that would be considered um like white people shit. <laughs> as like their careers <laughs> like no one would, you know what I mean though that's funny <laughs> you know what I mean like there's some people like when you're reading a romance novel you don't generally see a black man with certain careers if he is the hero and I appreciated having their interests truly reflect how diverse we are as a people yeah I mean I think I <laughs> I definitely don't think that's rare <laughs> But I will say, well, I would say that that's not rare for authors I read. So I don't want to, again, in that year of yikes, like, I realize more, like, I'm reading in a bubble that is lovely and kind, and I want to stay there for my personal reading. But it's not, yeah, it's not particularly rare. But what I did love, um, Rebecca has this way of choosing these careers that you don't expect. So I did not expect, is it Shaw who makes the like really like expensive, like beautiful, like furniture for white people? <laughs> I mean, Yeah, really, I think so. Like, I think it's Shaw, yeah. Yeah, um, I did not expect that as a career. And I remember thinking, what? <laughs> like, but then I was like, you know, I feel like I know someone just like that, not with furniture, but like another artist like who does stuff like that, like just makes these really expensive, like huge pieces 
that rich people love to buy. And I just, I love that little moment of like, oh, <laughs> okay, I wouldn't have expected that. And the same with like her cowboy series, like I wouldn't have expected um, modern cowboys and the way that she wrote them. And I really appreciate that she, yeah, she has this way of like choosing these careers that are a little off the beaten path and might be by some people like considered as like, you know, white people jobs, but like a little digging and you see exactly where she's like pulling from, or you ha can guess at where she's pulling from. She just writes so well. Mm -hmm. And then to see, she writes so, you know, relatably and fantastically. She, she's really great at that. But like to see her pull that together in Harbor was, which actually now that I think about it, all the men in that series have these like kind of off the wall, um, unexpected careers. Like in Sanctuary, he runs um, a fruit farm and like a whole little like town is built around that. Yeah. And then in Haven, um, he's like a nature photographer. <laughs> and, like, and I wouldn't have like, none of these are careers I personally would have thought of to put in my books or even would have given the second thought to. And she used them so well to fit the characterization and to fit the series. She's just like really great at that. She is. I I love it. I, I loved it. It was just, it was interesting because I, I'm just so, I, I read probably too widely probably is the best way of putting it. I, I read too much outside of the zone that I know makes me very comfortable. <laughs> so. I don't want to be comfortable in romance, but I want to be happy. And I think I had a couple years where I was reading very widely and I realized I was not happy with what I was reading. So I like yep. retrenched a lot, partially because, well, one, because some of my professional work like is moving towards romance. And I was like, well, I don't have to read as widely as I have been. To, to sort of make the kind of to make that work make sense to me personally like it's just it's not what I'm studying but then also um I don't really need to read to be angry and I I think the last book I like hate read I was like I think I'm done <laughs> like and I didn't even make it all the way through I was like I'm done <laughs> like I don't need to do that mm -hmm. I I understand I I think I actually did not finish four books this week I started and I was like, no, fuck this. Next book. <laughs> and so I think I, I'm getting to that point where I'm kind of like not reading things because I, I feel like I'm supposed to or just try to understand it or see where people are coming from or whatever. I'm I am I'm getting to that point. Yeah. I just I it just it just takes time for me. I, I like to beat my head into a wall thirty thousand times before I realize it hurts. So <laughs> I'm at the I've realized it hurts. How do we fix it part now? So that's what I'm I'm slowly fixing and kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say coming more into indie because I was already kind of reading pretty widely for me in indie, um, but just kind of going going to more people who have the books I like to read and that I actually enjoy reading as opposed to reading all this other trash and then reading that book to make myself feel better afterwards. I'm like, why can't you just feel good all the time? Yeah. And that's kind of, and, and I feel the same. I want to, I either want to feel good all the time or I want to feel like I'm, I want to feel like I'm reading something that is pushing and challenging me in some way. And I was reading a lot of things that we're not doing that, first of all, but we're also making me feel as if they were making my world smaller, if that makes sense. Like the sort of point of view was constricted, the characterization. Mm -hmm. I don't like, 
and I make no bones about this. I read very few all white romances. That is not the goal for me personally. Um, and that has nothing really to do with romances, but how I read and how I have read for most of my entire life, right? Like when I was a kid, my mother took me to a black bookstore and was like, what are you looking for? You'll find it here. And if I wanted a fairy tale, I found it. If I wanted a mystery, I found it. Like I, I, I have never, and I'm very privileged in that way. I have never felt like I had to read like these white books to like get great literature or to get a kind of point of view that I like wanted to know more about or whatever. And so I took the same like perspective into romance. When I was looking for things, I was reading mostly Office of Color. And then I found Rebecca. And in particular, when I found Rebecca, I was looking for more queer romances with characters of color. And then I found her (laughs) and it made, like you know what I mean? So I, I have never like, protecting like reading not just for pleasure and to like be happy you know with what I'm reading but also to feel challenged like I'm reading I want to read authors who are pushing boundaries and I think we need to accept that not everyone is trying to push around a boundary you know what I mean not everyone is trying to expand the genre and I think that Rebecca through her like ridiculous body of work, like is always trying to like, you know, even if it's not overt in the way that we expect from, or we might expect, she's always sort of like, her world is so big in her books always. And I just adore that. I'd say the same for like an Alyssa Cole, like the worlds are just huge, you know? Yeah, no. And write such diverse sorts of books as well. I mean, I, Alyssa had that book come out this year that yeah, when no one is watching, right? That kind of thrillery book. And I was like, ooh, girl, you know, I can't read that because I don't do thriller in Manila. It. That's not my thing. But <laughs> it has great reviews and people that I genuinely trust their opinion on books love it. So <laughs> I can, ju- I, I feel like I've read it anyway, just by someone else I know who's, you know, ideas I agree with loving it I was like great I read this book in my mind without actually opening a page and it was amazing so yeah great that's hilarious yeah yeah I mean you know whatever you read yeah yeah I I can't basically the point is I want to read books with big worlds which means diversity right and and I also think we need to also remind ourselves that you can have a book with all black characters and still have a diverse book. Like I always feel like I want to sort of scream that at people because um, they seem to forget that. But yeah, like I want to read books with like big diverse worlds, like in terms of race, in terms of sexuality, like whatever class, like I want to read those things. And um, I feel like in the past year or so, I've had to like kind of shrink down you know, what I'm trying to read <laughs> to focus on things that might actually make me happy. This also isn't really the point of this talk. I just, this conversation. No, but I mean, like, we're just, every time we get together, it somehow turns into <laughs> something like this. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be trusted. I, I have decided that this is true about myself. I cannot be trusted. Whenever I talk to Katrina Jackson, I am always on 30,000 different pages. We're having like these long conversations about things that are not even close to what we're supposed to be talking about. I ask you a question about the moon and then somehow I have tied this into the state of my spaghetti status. I've tied this into travel. This is, this is, this is my, this is something I have to work on with you in particular. (laughs) But it's a compliment. It means you're easy to talk to and we can have a lot of interesting conversations. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm also ADHD, so, like, staying, like, on track. <laughs> and when I'm tired, which I've been tired most of this year, like, that's very hard for me to do. <laughs> so, if you're going to let me wander, I'm going to wander. Listen, I'm, I'm going to try. Okay, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. Monogamous romance. So, you actually came out with your erotic accommodations, like, a little book this year where you have both stories in there, right? Room for Three and Neighborly. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh my God, it was so pretty. I don't have it yet in my hands. It's on my <laughs> list of things to get before the end of the year, just so you know. Wink. Send them to my pay hip store. I'll sign in and send it to you. Yes, excellent. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I asked you earlier, you know, for some of your book covers because I wanted to like see all the ones that you had, you know, non monogamous stories on. So I also am going to make a graphic about it just for every everyone on, in the world who does not know. I enjoy spending my days on Canva when I'm supposed to be doing other things, making graphics for no reason. <laughs> so <laughs> this is exactly what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so you have a pretty solid body of work here, a lot of, you know, not a lot of your books, but like a, a good portion of your books contains some kind of nam-nagmi in there. You know, you have the Spies Who Loved Her series. So yeah. Pink Slip and Every New Year, are the, not Pink Slip and, um, what's that? Yeah, New Year, New We yeah. are the ones that are specific to our favorite triad <laughs> of spies. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they do pop up in the other books in the series. So yeah. that's great for them. And then, you We're know, not the from- only Paul Yammer's characters in the. Yeah. World though, either, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they're they're the ones that are currently the focus of the stories until Yes, until. Until until. <laughs> and then um so for the from scratch, that's the Welcome to Seaport series, the two books that are specifically about these characters are uh from scratch and her Christmas cookie. Yeah. So that's their triad. And then of course we talked about erotic accommodations. And then you had two books come out under Brandy Bush, mm-hmm. which were a bit um a bit less romance and a little more touch me they were not romance at all <laughs> yeah a little a little less romance and a little more touch me so you had the nanny which was um it featured a married triad with kids and um our our heroine decides to encourage her husbands to get her pregnant instead of her focusing on her responsibilities and you know same i'd probably be doing that as well so i, I give her that I give her that. <laughs> and then The Roommate, which has a lovely nubile college student <laughs> obsessed with her roommate's parents. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to say that one is my favorite just because of the wall scene. Like, and after they, I can't tell you guys exactly what happens, but they give her a Christmas present. And there's a wall involved and there are noises and it is awesome. And yeah. I, I actually appreciated that you didn't have it go further than that right away. Was that like on purpose or were you just kind of like following the flow of how your your writing spirit was telling you to take the story? Yeah. I mean, that was just where the story wanted to go. I don't have, I don't, I'm not a plotter, so that doesn't ever happen. And I think in the original version or when I, I think when I imagined that story, it all happened the same, you know, time, all, everything happened at the same time and it didn't make sense as I was writing it. So I like adjusted. So um, yeah, that scene 
was supposed to lead to more and then it just didn't make sense. And it made way more sense in hindsight to have that scene be its own thing, its own demon. And then, um, and then the other scene later. Yeah. See, guys, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happened, but I will tell you that I appreciated every bit of it. <laughs> and I have shared a quote from one of the scenes we're talking about on my Instagram, which I, I will definitely link it to this here so you guys can see it later. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 what made you want to go to more erotica as opposed to sticking with a more erotic romance sort of vein with this story? Um. That's a great question. I actually prefer erotica <laughs> personally. Um, well, I, it's a couple of things. I really like writing erotica. My favorite scenes to write in a romance are the sex scenes, always. Um, even if there are other scenes that I really enjoy, I just, I really enjoy writing a sex scene. Um, and so early pandemic, I was like, the world sucks. <laughs> I should do something that'll make me happy. <laughs> um, and so why didn't I write, you know, more erotica? I also... I think I, I've said this on shelf love, like an HEA is fine. I'm, I'm not like an evangelist. I don't need it, you know, in the way that other people do. I understand it's a convention of romance, but I don't need it like as a reader. I don't only read romance. So I like the idea um, of not having to write that, which is why the roommate and the nanny look the way that they do um, in terms of like the story setup. So that was another thing. And then the other was that um, I wanted to write things that are just a little bit more taboo. So like the roommate is, you know, roommate's parents. <laughs> and, um, you know, the nanny is, is, it's essentially like, you know, a breeder kink. And as is every story essentially that I have um, planned out for Brandy Bush's body of work, they're all just a little bit taboo, like not... Like, I'm not going to be out here writing, like, underage girls. Like, that's not, that's not the jam. Um, but um, nor do I really want to necessarily write things that are more overtly taboo because some of my, my writing style is a little bit softer on that. Like, I'm, you know, even with my romantic suspense, I'm like, you know, a little less suspense. <laughs> like, and a lot more, like, erotic. Like, um, so I wanted, you know, to try at, things that are a little bit more taboo but in a way that felt comfortable writing and that I thought I could like write in a way that fit my style more yeah okay that that makes sense <laughs> that definitely makes sense I mean I enjoy your sex scenes so really you're doing a good job <laughs> high five high fives to you all day um but yeah no I, I think that your work is definitely, as I said, it's one of the ones that I enjoy more when we're looking at non-monogamous romance and not not in some of those books where it's like, oh yeah, you know, they're non-monogamous for now, but eventually she has to pick one. I like that in all your stories, you're like, nah, she's picking both. <laughs> yeah. At all times, they're both involved. This, yeah. this is what it is. And while it, because someone recommended a book to me. So I posted a call on Twitter. How long ago was that? Like in September asking for more black polyamorous or non-monogamous romance. And I specifically wanted black romance at the time um, in a non-monogamous polyamorous way. And someone recommended a book to me privately. And I was like, this is not a, this is just a love triangle that she ended up picking someone at the end while still being in love with the other guy. How is that considered? Like, do you guys even know what that, what the (laughs) word means? Is that even a romance though? (laughs) If she's in love with the other person, is that even romance? 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, uh, we, right. we, I don't even. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, here, here's what I'll say. Cause like you can have like, a. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a rough one. Right. Because like, there is some, not a lot, of uh, polyamorous romance in traditional publishing. But right now, all that comes to mind immediately is white. Pretty much all of it's white. And I think um, so much of like my frustration with what people think is acceptable is it be it some for some for some people it begins and ends with well, did white people do this? Can I do that? Right. And that's really frustrating when, if you're looking, you can find the inspiration for that. So like, I've been really um, interested in, what's her name? Passion Jones, um, who recently came out as polyamorous with her husband and um, her boyfriend. And yes, yes. Um, Passion Jones. Yeah. I, I skimmed the YouTube video she made talking about it and um, I really appreciated that she sort of took on some of these things, right? Which is that um, she took on the sort of like, um, maybe not as well as I would have liked, but she talked about the expectation of like her husband and boyfriend being queer. And she's like, they're not, right? So that, that you can, so this sort of people are sort of skirting around writing polyamory because they don't or can't write like queer characters. And it's like, well, you don't have to have a queer character in a polyamory setup, right? Like you could do something different. But then, um, so, you know, if that if that is a, a worry for you or that is a thing you're trying to do, like there is still a possibility for that. Um, and yet people aren't able to like conceive of that. But then um, the other thing that I did appreciate the way that she talked about was the way that they were really nervous about their Black fan base um, judging them. And the idea that this was, as you said earlier, a white thing, right? Um, and I like, I really appreciate her sort of taking that on, right. And kind of addressing that and also, um, addressing, <laughs> um, I wouldn't say addressing, explaining to her audience, like very specifically, like, um, or fairly specifically about like the presumption that monogamy is going to give you something it doesn't necessarily have to give you, right? Or, or or even the presumption that because someone is polyamorous, they're saying you have to be polyamorous as well. So I really appreciate, so anyway, the larger point of that ramble was that I really get frustrated that like every now and then there is this idea that like for something to be possible in romance, we have to see if white people have done it first, right? Or we have to do, um, a black version of that, as opposed to looking for inspiration from like black people or like other people of color, wherein you can get one, I think different stories that might be slightly more interesting, but also stories that are going to maybe push back at the love triangle as the presumption, right? Of, of that being essentially polyamory when it's actually just annoying, right? Or push back on the presumption of like a magical vagina, like that is going to like make this relationship work. Or even the like, or even the presumption that like you have to have, if it's a, a black uh, woman in the middle of this, you know, polyamorous relationship, that it is somehow only valid with white people, with white men usually, right? That that's the only way that would happen. Yep. Based on what, right? Like, which is another reason I love Harbor, right? At no point, right, was there ever, I mean, even, you know, the, at no point in that relationship was 
really this sort of idea that the relationship they were forming was for the three of them was necessarily anti-black, right? Or, or, or a white thing. But also Rebecca took on that presumption as well. And, and she also gave us a counter. I mean, I don't want to give this away, but like in the sort of maternal figures that emerge, right? She sort of gave us this sort of really kind of um, loving, like familial relationship that was willing to be expansive and kind in these very ways that often some of these other books that I have tried to read and left really frustrated, they have trampled on the feelings of Black characters in ways that I think, mm-hmm. that I personally think are harmful and that have at times triggered me, right? Because the idea here is not that this like Black character be loved, but that they get white approval. And that is really frustrating to me. Yeah. Um, so on the one hand, I agree with you. I want more polyamorous like stories with Black characters. But on the other hand, I have read enough to not really want them <laughs> like, as either. <laughs> if it's not going to be written by the right people, then why bother? And I, I understand that. That is definitely, yeah. I I can say the ones that I see the most. Okay, let's actually let's talk about Neighborly first, right? So I, the reason why I want to talk about Neighborly is because that is one of the relationships that we don't see depicted in mainstream media about polyamory and non-monogamy. And I say that because... It's never a thing where there's a triad happening. It's never any sort of thing where they're all fucking each other. It is that the two men are happily out here being straight, doing their shit. So it'll be like a Z formation. So one is with the girl, girls with the other girl, girls with her husband. It's like a Z very much clear in that way without any sort of intermingling or like trying to force a threesome in any other situations. Like, listen, we both straight dudes. Our women like each other. Let us, you know, let them have their fun. Let them do their thing. We support them. We love them. We do all the things we have to do with them. And um, that's it. We don't need to be involved past that. They're having their own unique relationship. We have our relationships that we need to contend with. And that's it. So that is also why Neighborly is one of my favorite ones. Because it shows that different dynamic that is not dependent on, you know, these this one bisexual woman with a man and his wife. And cause, Oh my God, if I'm so sick of trying, <laughs> it's, it's horrible because, you know, I've been in them, you know, I I've been around them, but in so much non-monogamous romance, it is yeah. all about the triad, especially when you're looking at white romance. I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to read another triad unless it's doing something different. Well, and girl. that, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But but you know what I mean? I it's I feel the same way though. <laughs> yeah. It, unless it's doing something different, I don't want to read it. So I've read the ones where it's like, oh yeah, the two the two men are, you know, they're not gay, they're bi, but they're they don't want to be too gay with each other, so they bring in a woman and it works out. And I've read oh, yeah, the ones have its moment. Is that, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, I've read the other ones where it's like, oh, well, you know, we're just looking for this amazing woman to support us. Uh, you know, my husband and I, we're going to do these things. And it's like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see those particular stories, those particular stories anymore. I want to see people who are either already established in their unit, whatever it is, or trying to all as a group together figure out how they're going to do this, which is also why I like um, Room for Three, 
because it's like, yeah, we were together and we both kind of feeling you. This is kind of weird for you. Let's, let's all figure out as a unit how this relationship is going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And it's not just trying to drop a random person in the middle and be like, yeah, now we're together. Problems. <laughs> <laughs> Times three. It's us. Yeah. No, I think, um, I mean, I've written a lot of triads. I have a whole bunch of triads coming in the future. Like, I, I, I love a triad, and I will figure out a way to make a triad <laughs> like, in some kind of way. But I do, I did have that moment. I want to say early this year where I was like, okay, I've, I've explored that multiple times. I would like to sort of try something else. Um, and part of it was because of how I stalled on neighborly a couple times because I think I, in various versions, I was going to write heaven and tasha's partners as bisexual um where i was going to rate a different sort of sexual relationship but what i was most interested in was heaven and tasha's relationship with one another and writing two black men who were fully supportive of the, their bisexual partners and i probably had like a you know i was probably annoyed at something then too that sort of pushed me in that direction but it was the direction the story should go and i um so one of the books coming out um in december boxing day um is Bright Lights, which is Shantae and Asif in the Spice Who Loves Her series. And from the minute I knew I would write their story, I knew that one, they were both pansexual, and two, they were both polyamorous, but that was going to be a polyamorous couple um, who, unlike Monica and Lane and Kiara, who are, I mean, they're not a close triad, but like, they are a triad. Like, I knew that Shantae and Asif were never going to form a triad, like, long term. That is not their goal. So, you know, get ready. Um, but I'm ready. I'm ready. Like you already know I'm ready. I love me a Hacker Bay. Okay. Give me my Hacker Bay immediately. So yeah, I, I, I do agree. I think the triad, I think a lot of people rely on a triad because it seems most, um, I don't know if familiar is the, the right word, but there are lots of triads. Um, I would like to see different. I mean, I know that some people have, like, I want to say that like, uh, Elia Winters has, she, all of her books are white, I think. Um, but you know, she has a polyamorous couple, I believe in her, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what is it called? Um, comes in three series. I think so. You also know I'm bad at names. So you're saying these words and I'm like, yeah, sounds about right. I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty certain um, that at least one of those books is a polyamorous couple with just like a, an open relationship, I think is where they're going. Um, and so not, which is never to say, so every time I say I want to see more of, it's not to say that there isn't that stuff that doesn't exist, but when it comes to polyamorous romance, there's not enough. And then when you start sort of saying, I want characters of color or all black characters, it's like, oh, there's really not enough. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of triad romances and I would like to see different configurations. And so I'm challenging myself in these moments to sort of do that. And Neighborly was the beginning of me realizing I could write um, or that I wanted to write other um, relationship setups. I love it. Like I said, that is it, it is one of my favorite ones because I say it's just so different. And the reason why I don't like a lot of triads, I mean I like all of your work, so I'm biased always. <laughs> but the reason why I don't like a lot of triads is because it relies heavily on monogamous principles to make it work. Mm-hmm. So it and so it's automatically sort of like a closed triad. It's very much not as much about communication and openness and everyone having their individual relationships within the triangle valued. It's it's definitely more on a where V coming to snatch that line mm-hmm. at the base to make us a triangle. And it's very 
you know what I mean? It, it plays into a lot of elements of toxic monogamy. And it also has, well, if it's with women, it's generally that one penis policy mm-hmm. thing, right? So the idea of any woman in the triad ever even finding another person attractive in this space, like if you look at Yumi Her, which is horrible representation, but you know, it's on, it was mainstream and it was on TV. So fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very much that sort of one penis policy thing. You, I am the only dude that you're with. You guys are with each other and with me. The idea of them even having too much fun alone together mm. was was hurtful to him because he was like, oh, maybe you like her more than you like me. Mm-hmm. And so it that that's really what I mean about how they configure them. And a lot of white <laughs> polyamorous romances just kind of come across that way. And I also like that in the Spies Who Love Her series that their triad is not open but it's open enough that they're allowed to have that autonomy to feel attracted to other people and want other people and not have it be the end of the world yeah well which i think i remember i think i told you this last time but when i had the idea for pink slip it was everything that like i think what i wrote it in 2018 so like i had been like imbibing a whole bunch of like romance conversations on social media which I wish I had maybe not as much but you know that was like I said everything that everyone said those romances wouldn't sell right like it's a black woman lead it's nothing but women of color like it's um bisexual like literally all these things and so based on like building that couple or building um that relationship it started with Kiera. Like, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I wrote the, a novella that was solely from Kiera's perspective. <laughs> you did not tell me that. Why oh, would you yeah. not mention that first things first? I don't understand why you're keeping secrets. I mean, it just, it, it is whatever it is. But like when I, I, when I put it up for pre-order, this is also a, a sad peek into how I write. Um, when I put it up for pre-order, I was like done with a novella that was all, it was supposed to be a novella and it was all from Kiera's perspective and it was fine, but it wasn't a full story, which I didn't realize until I finished, until I reread the novella and was like, oh, I'm not done. And so then I wrote every chapter with Lane and Monica around Kiera's novella, which I hope to never do again because it was really stressful. (laughs) And so I realized there were ways in which I didn't know Monica and Lane because Kira didn't know Monica and Lane and part of that was realizing that their relationship had been open from the minute it started and they were both bi and so so much of like Kira's like stress about that relationship and like if there was a place for her really assumed that she did was based on the assumption and the reality at the beginning of the book she didn't know them right so she didn't know that this was you know a relationship that was really adaptable and really honest and really like you know, they held each other accountable. And so slotting her in was essentially just a question of would they do the same with her? And they would. So, um, but they didn't know that. (laughs) And she didn't know that, right? You know, at the beginning. Okay. So if if you could have rewritten Pink Slip now, knowing what you know now, as opposed to then, what would you change? The only thing I would change, which is the thing I, I went back and fixed in New Year, New Week, was that it was unclear that Lane was by in Pink Slip. So- there is, I talk about it. Um, I talk about, 
I talk about their open relationship before, but in ways that if you aren't looking for it, you you can miss that he's also bi. And I was like, oh, well, anyway, (laughs) let's write, you know, this uh, novella to fix that. But that's the only thing. And then you did Bang and Burn. I did. (laughs) You did Bang and Burn. That was also great. (laughs) I mean, it also has a great title, Bang and Burn. Which is, it has a, it's a spy term. It means a thing. And now I forgot. So I, I probably wouldn't have remembered if you told me. So that's totally fine. Thanks. Thanks for sharing what it means (laughs) when I Google it later. (laughs) But I assume it does not mean fucking the person and then, you know, running away. Unfortunately, no. Oh, then that's okay. I don't really want to know what it means. That's fine. It doesn't mean what I hope it means. It's it's okay. All right. So what other non-monogamous romance with Black characters have you read that you would recommend anyone read that you genuinely enjoyed? And I say that you actually, aside from Harbor, we can't recommend Harbor again. They're going to get tired of hearing it. I'll never get tired of saying it, but they'll get tired of hearing it. Wait, did I know you were going to ask for recommendations? Jesus. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Okay, here's the really sad part. Not many. But yeah, that's expected. There's not many. We just talked about how horrible people write sometimes. Well, not that they're horrible writers, but that they don't handle this particular topic in a way that is, you know. There are are writers that I love who I would love to see write a polyamorous book to see like how they would take it on. Although I guess I can say, um, I haven't read it, um, definitely going to ask for um, an early copy, but Chinsia Higgins has a um, FFM story coming out in November. Oh, is that is that true? Well, guys, uh, I want you to know that Chinsia Higgins and I are now about to become best friends, and <laughs> I need to know everything there is to know about this book. Excuse me while I go tweet. Yeah, so that's definitely one on my radar. God, with black characters, man. See, that's that's the trick. So I, when I asked this question on Twitter in September of the year of our Lord, 2020, I got publicly. So I got Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. I got yeah. Her and Them by Chinsia Higgins, which I have not read as yet. So I can't say if it's good oh, or not. Right. But it's not... Um... I haven't read that one, but maybe that's MMF. Is that MMF? Is that what um, I think it was MFM, I think is how we did. I don't know. Oh. So she, I think I she was dating both of them. Okay. And that, that's what it sounds like anyway, her and them. So it sounds like she had two boyfriends. But mm-hmm. I have not read it as yet, so I cannot say for sure as to whether or not I personally will enjoy the story. But I will tell you guys I enjoyed Jincia Higgins, a lesbian romance that came out earlier this year. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, Bricks McQueen apparently has a series with a poly couple, but I'm not sure much about that. I haven't. It's just like these vague references people got. Um, I got a recommendation for Captive by Kiru Taye. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, do not tell me because I will be embarrassed forever. <laughs> and again, another book I haven't read, but as you can see, the only other recommendation on the list I have that I have not mentioned is Wicked by AC Arthur. All the other those are the only recommendations I got that were public on on the Twitters. They're they're not that many. Well, and me. Well, yeah, I I, I asked I asked for a recommendation <laughs> that was not you. I said, "Listen, I do not recommend Peter Jackson to me. I have read her entire body of work. If you recommend her, I was going to say, sorry, do I know you? Do you even go here? I've already read everything she's ever written. Can we start over?" <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. No, I, I remember that tweet now. Yeah, the oh, okay. So, yeah, this is a rough one. 
The only other one I know is coming is a paranormal from Lucy Eden only, but there's only one black character in that one. Hmm. I must still read it though. But the two men are, um, are um, uh, Simone, I believe. So people of color, um, but not black. I must still read it. <laughs> yeah. It's called Between the Lions. Um, yeah, no, I mean, to be honest with you, like I'm, I'm like furiously scrolling through my Twitter or not my Twitter, my, um, Kindle app and I cannot find anything that is black and polyamorous See? that we haven't talked about. This is proof guys. You guys need to write, you guys need to actively research and write well Stories about polyamory and non-monogamy with black people. Fuck. I'll take an open marriage. I'll take swingers. I'll I'll take whatever version of non-monogamy that is ethical that you were willing to give me as long as it is well written and it has black people in it. Yeah, I mean I, I guess I would sort of say I do know other people who write polyamory fairly regularly. And some of them I love, but they don't have any black people in them, right? So they don't fit your criteria. But I also think what ends up happening to going back to that assumption, right? Um, it's the assumption that Black readers don't want queer romance and don't want polyamorous romance, which I find so interesting because of how many people <laughs> are like, have you read Pink Slip? Like, Neighborly was a huge fucking hit. Like, um, and I remember thinking, like, it was like um, trending for a bit, like, number one bestseller when it was up for pre order. And I was like, are y'all okay? Yes, it was. Like, what are you? I pre-ordered it. And it was like one of my first to do that. And I was like, calm down. The book is not coming out anytime soon. What's happening here? Um, So, and the same with Harbor and not just because it's Rebecca. When Rebecca told me and she started hinting that this was going to be polyamorous, I was like, bitch, I need a time machine and I need to go to the day that this book is released. (laughs) And I need it in my Kindle. And then I was like, no, scratch that. I need the paperback <laughs> to be released so I can hold this book. Like, and it wasn't just me. Um, but like, yeah, like this idea that like black readers don't want that, like they do, but then so many people of different races um and sexualities want that. And they do want it with characters of color and black characters, but it's just like I just really cannot think of anything else. See, that's why I'm telling you guys, that's part of the reason why I did this episode. I This is a call to action for all you people who write Black romance. I'm looking at you, Black romance writers. If you need a definition of what Black romance is, both characters got to be Black. Okay? Both of them. All characters. All characters. So I just want to clarify that. I can go after polyamorous romance and be like, both of them have to be black. Well, I'm talking about these people who already write romance that don't write polyamory. (laughs) You're trying trying to ride me. I'm trying to talk up to the people who don't already write polyamorous romance. Damn. You know what black romance is. I need you to expand that. Put me in a book. I will say this though. That shit is not easy. The number of times I have had to go back because someone's like leg is in the wrong place. (laughs) 
I mean, but that's real life though. Like if you're having sex with more than one person at the same time, shit ends up in weird places. I can tell you that from experience. You're- but it's hard to write that. Like I've had people, like friends of mine who are authors who would be like, hey, can you read this scene? Because this is the first time I'm writing like more than two people in a sex scene. And like, I'm like, and they're like, you do it regularly. You should be okay with it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I literally, either I or my editor will catch like, someone's like hand and not that it's in the wrong place because it's like lots of limbs and stuff i have literally just somehow superimposed like a hand like disconnected from the body so we can like touch another body part like it is like sex scenes are hard period but yeah when you have like another person more limbs like body parts whatever like involved it can be really difficult so you know prepare for that this is why i am not the writer right i am just the podcaster (laughs) my writing is show notes that's it It, it is it is a little bit I, well I don't, it's a little bit harder it, especially if it's not what you're used to that's the other thing right if it's like a, a thing that you are uncomfortable like writing because you don't have that ease it is difficult yeah. well here's the thing guys you were lucky enough to have some experts already at hand katrina jackson rebecca weatherspoon you got the experts already here waiting to help you write this after you pay the appropriate amount of money don't I don't I'm not actually trying to help you. Wow. It, <laughs> here, I, here I was trying to be like, hey, you got someone to help you. Why are you, not, why are you not volunteering your services, Jane? Like, I don't want to help nobody. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> why are you not volunteering your services? Because you were mean to me. Damn it. On the internet, you were mean to me. And so now I'm mean to you where I can be mean. <laughs> no, but I mean like it. it the same thing, right? Like, if you're writing polyamorous romance outside of the sex scene, like, you're a beta reader, right? If you're comfortable doing that, which... Yeah, I think I think beta readers and yeah. sensitivity readers are also very important for just about anything that you write. Do people, like, not yeah. use them, like, regularly? Um, I mean, I won't lie. I don't use them for all of my books. Yeah, I don't use them for all of my books. I know people who use beta readers. Um, I think... I don't, I don't use them for all of mine. So I'm not out here saying like, it's a hard and fast rule. It really kind of depends on, you know, sort of your comfort, your comfort, or like you also even the story you're telling. But I do sometimes think that like people have thought in the past, I don't think this is very common today at all. I think that part of the reason you get such really strange, kind of like, um, monogamous centered or like even homophobic polyamorous romances mm-hmm. Is because no one has thought they had to like contact polyamorous readers um, for a sensitivity read. And I, I think there are definitely like some um, identities that people think don't deserve that kind of extra respect or that they can just imagine. And that's not realistic. But I also think um, if you don't think there are lots of myths about polyamory, right? Like running around yep. in society. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I also, there are some books I wouldn't have written exactly the same way. Like the story w- roughly would have been the same, but I maybe would have been more or less explicit about some things um, as I have also learned more about myths about polyamory that even I didn't realize I held or that I had imbibed in some way. And so like sort of working through that, which is also how I think, you know, Lane's bisexuality became a little less clear um, in Pink Slip. So um, I think... Yeah, like getting a, if if you want to write um, a polyamorous romance, like getting a polyamorous sensi- sensitivity reader would be wonderful. And the the fact of the matter is, like, I'm not polyamorous. 
So like someone coming to me and asking for help with the sex scene or with like a, a romance is polyamorous, like, okay, great. It's, you know, two people who don't know as much as we should know out here leading each other, like over a cliff. <laughs> like, over the don't cliff do that. Into the rainbow over the unknown. But also, <laughs> Katrina could also be like, you know who I'm going to, I'm going to send you to Jen. <laughs> Jen knows about the weird body stuff. You should ask her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would absolutely do that. Um, so if you're like open to it, Jan, I'm basically giving you another job. Let me know. I mean, I, I am open to it because I also love to see, I, I love, so I, the reason why I request ARCs is because I like to read the books before they actually come out. Even though I know it's an uncorrected proof, even though I know it's like not the final, 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 final thing. I like to read the stuff in advance. So I kind of already know how I'm going to receive the work when it comes out like fully edited, which sounds weird, but that's just how I feel. I, I'm like one of the people who like to be first in my mind. So even if I know there's some people have read this before me, I'm I'm firsting myself by having the book pre-ordered to come out whenever and I'm getting it like a month in advance. Yeah, I don't feel that same way. <laughs> um, I want your like, and I think it's because I read like student drafts of essays. I'm like, please just send me the final draft. Please just send me the final draft. Please. Yeah, that must be um, why I don't have that experience at all. I, I like to see the process. I like to see how it works. It's also why I'm interested in like behind the scenes stuff, like in television and things. I like to see how the shit is made. It's also yeah. how I know that I could never work in a restaurant in real life or like actually <laughs> duplicate a restaurant recipe accurately because the amount of oil and butter those bitches use. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, that's funny. I like, um, I will say this, like, and this is like a really kind of sad thing to sort of point out, but you know, every time like a polyamorous reader says, like, hey, I read your book and I saw myself in that relationship or in a relationship I've been in. Like, that makes me really happy. And I think the first two people to say that to me were you and then Corey Alexander. And, Aww. you know, last time I was I was talking to you from Monogamish, like, you know, I said that the thing that pushed me to polyamorous, to writing polyamorous, like, erotica and romance was because I was so sick of the of the love triangle and I had no idea at that point like how significant it would be for like polyamorous readers to like see that relationship or some version of a relationship they've had like depicted well and I was super cavalier that I did it in ways that like weren't harmful was luck you know what I mean yeah and it doesn't escape me that in talking with like Corey and in talking with like you behind the scenes about things you like, things you wanted to see, like things you wish there were more of, made me a better writer when it came to writing polyamorous relationships. And like I couldn't have written The Roommate a year ago because I would have, I would have course corrected in some really interesting ways and that would have turned into a romance. <laughs> I, I can't, hold on. How do you make The Roommate a romance? <laughs> no, that is a real question. I, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It was so. That's, yeah, it's a whole other conversation. I only, I don't. Brandy only writes novellas too, so I was like, I would have just ended up writing a novel, and I'd have been pissed. But yeah, I would have course corrected because I wouldn't have felt comfortable. Because I think that sort of that idea for some people that you have to end up in a closed triad is because it's just a version of monogamy, right? Yep. And so you can't have an open relationship that is also loving and when I wrote the use they're like a version of Monica and Lane that's an open relationship that is loving 
and that they have raised or now raising three kids together, like in a very like nice suburban middle class neighborhood. And sometimes they, you know, fuck their daughter's roommates. But like only sometimes, like, not all the time. Only on Sundays, on holidays. <laughs> um, but like that idea to make those relationships respectable as if they need to be made respectable, right? Like that kind of course correction is also harmful. And um, that I didn't do that to Monica and Lane was an accident. And ever since then, it has not been an accident, right? Like if I'm, you know, and I think some of that is also why it has taken me a little bit more time. Well, not the only reason, but it's taken me a little bit more time to write Shantae and Asif because they are just open. <laughs> like in yeah. all of the best ways. Um, and even, I mean, I think it takes a lot to like kind of make Lane sort of sit back and think, well, damn, I don't know, even I would do that. And Shantae and Asif are like, you sure? <laughs> like, 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 I mean, if you want to try it. <laughs> you got to try everything once, right? <laughs> like, and, um, and I think I wanted to, um, I wanted to be able to, and also Shantae is a sex worker. And so I wanted to be able to write them um, respectfully and well and to the best of my abilities. And so, yeah, so it wasn't until like I met Corey and then you that I took seriously that people, you know, are looking, you know, for, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? But it should be respectful. And yeah, that's that's probably the best way to describe it. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be respectful. uh, So yeah, so um, like I to echo this earlier, I absolutely want more Black polyamorous romance. But if you're just going to recreate the same kinds of like hierarchies and like discrimination don't do it you know there's no point yep I would really rather you not <laughs> we already have enough to deal with with people in the actual polyamorous community who perpetuate some of these negative stereotypes again you would think people would be evolved past that but right. we're not it's okay we're human we work through it and Actually, it's really funny that I said this because I'm in a polyamorous group. This is barely relevant, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. So fine. Um, I'm in a group on Facebook and someone told me that there are people who are transitioning away from non-monogamy into monogamy. And they're like, oh, she's shot her shot at a couple of people who are supposed to be non-monogamous and out here in these streets. And they're like, oh, well, actually, we've moved away from that now. And now we're trying to go to monogamy. And... I'm all about, you know, people going on their journeys and figuring out what works for them at what time. Because, of course, sexuality, everything is a scale and it's a sliding scale and we all end up at whatever points we need to be at a certain periods of time, right? It doesn't mean that I can't be in a monogamous relationship even if I'm pansexual. That's just mm-hmm. the thing. Uh, and, you know, polyamorous and thing. I could be with the dude. We could be together. I mean, it probably won't be forever because that is also me. I can't. I know that at a certain point in time, I get that itch and I'm kind of like, okay, where's the pussy at? Your dick is great and all, but give it to me. Yeah, but anyway. that can be fluid, right? Like where you are. Yeah, it's, it's fluid. So I, I think it's interesting that when, if you hear something like that as someone who doesn't even believe polyamory or non-monogamy is really a thing, you're like, oh yeah, exactly. I always knew you guys would go back to what you were supposed to be doing. And you were just supposed to be monogamous. One of my coworkers actually said that about how he's drilled down with some swingers that he knows to find out why they're really swingers. And he's found out they don't really want to be swingers anyway. They just feel like they have to. What? And I was like, what is that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but 
that's my point. It's like people have these ideas about, oh yeah, you're you're polyamorous for now, but what's gonna happen when you want kids and you want like you know a house and stuff? I'm like, well, first of all, I'm gonna have this <laughs> by myself. Like I'm gonna have this house by myself. I don't want to live with right. nobody right now. So okay. <laughs> so what's gonna happen is I'm gonna get my house, and if I want kids, I'm gonna get my kids. I don't have anything to do with my romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how those things come together in your mind, but I do because, you know, Disney and how we've been made to understand how romantic relationships work and intimacy as well. I can't be intimate with my best friend because she's not my girlfriend. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about all the other stuff that's not sex. The idea of having sex with her makes me throw up in my mouth. But (laughs) (laughs) she's like my sister in a way. It's like we she's she's I just I can't see her as a sexual being for me. For other people, I'm like, yeah, you should fuck my best friend. She's hot, she's this, she's that. For me, I'm like, you want me to I feel like what your best friend is listening to this mean like that Nick that Nene Leaks gift. Like, you see how I get brought in everything? How do I get brought into this? (laughs) (laughs) She would just be like, Yeah, she's right. But she she's known me since we were like twelve or thirteen years old. She's just used to all this shit. I, I I am that annoying person who you know that girl who's like, oh my god, my boyfriend said. I'm like, oh my god, my best friend said. <laughs> I am I am that bitch with her. She can't stand me, but I love her anyway. Okay, so we've talked about you know the what do you call it derf draft. There's a deep word that I'm not finding right now in my brain because I have a brain like Dory. We we don't have a lot of black polyamorous romance out here. But you said there are some other polyamorous romances that you really liked by authors you respected. So what is, okay, I'll give you three, but you only need to use okay, one. Okay, I'm like, three feels like a lot, fam. Yeah, so you only need to use one. What is one that you would definitely recommend? Uh, Kit Rocha, Beyond Jealousy. Beyond Jealousy. So that's a part of the Beyond series. What number book is that? Oh, man, come on. I don't know, like five. It's like three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because I, I have Beyond Shame that I have not read yet. Yeah. I, to be fair, my my person always makes fun of me because I'm like, oh, I got this new book. And he's like, have you read the ten that you bought last week? I'm like, no. Wow, <laughs> attacking me. Like, is is this how you want to spend the rest of your night by being mean to me? Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> Didn't ask for that. Is book four of the series? But look, okay. This is the thing about that. Oh, actually, there are two books in that series that are polyamorous. Beyond Jealousy is book four. And then Beyond mm-hmm. Addiction is a quad. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, we got two of them. Yeah. Beyond a, Beyond Jealousy is a triad. Beyond Addiction is a quad. And that um, they're both diverse. So, and, oh, okay. So, it's book four and five of the series. And... And Beyond Jealousy, it's two Latinx men and a white woman. And Beyond Addiction is a Latinx man, an Indian or South Asian, I don't remember, a South Asian woman, and then um, a white woman and a white man. And Okay. Um, yeah, and that series in general is really diverse, which is why. And it has a lot of the things I love, <laughs> like polyamory and like a fair amount of um, diversity. Um and also the sort of like post-apocalyptic like world, which is the world building is great in that series. But yeah, I would say like those are the two books. I didn't think I'd have more than one. So those are the two books I tend to recommend. Okay. But okay. So do I need to read the first three books before I read those two? Um, Not really. 
Um, I mean, that sounds like a yes. If it's not really, it sounds like a yes. No, the only reason I'm saying not really is because for both of them, but especially for Beyond Jealousy, those characters have been like falling out around each other for a couple of books. So part of what makes that book so satisfying is that it's it starts off as a love triangle. They both want the girl and um, they have, one of them has history with her, but then there's also that sort of like realization that the two dudes have like an unspoken attraction that they also didn't know what to deal with. And so you get to see some of that falling out beforehand. And then Ace, who is my absolute favorite character in that entire series, if he were real, I would be shameless. Um, (laughs) He also features in a lot of the um, casual sexual relationships around uh, the world as well. And he is always, always on it. Yeah. Oh, I need to read that book again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I feel like I need to give Katrina my excuse me, guys, while we take a quick water so you break. De- <laughs> so you don't need to read the other ones, but I think you miss some of like one, what makes Ace so great. But I also will say um, that series can be a slow starter. Um, some people like, like it from Beyond Shame and they're like all in. I wasn't actually like that. I read Beyond Shame. I was like, I don't understand what's happening here, but I'm going to come back for more. But it was beyond jealousy that actually hooked me, partially because of that um, relationship. Okay, so you guys have heard it. It's a great wreck, Beyond Jealousy by Kit Rosha. So start there. I mean, there the first book in series is Beyond Shame. If you're someone who likes to read from the beginning, aka mm-hmm. me, then you start at Beyond Shame and you just work your way through the whole thing. Okay, see, those wrecks sound really good. So Kat, I know you've been here before, but tell the people where to find you. I am on Twitter. A bit um, at Katrina Jacks. I'm on Instagram a bit as well at Cat Jackson Books, and that's it. Okay, so I know that you just released my birthday present, which is the Tenant. I've, which is you know like a ghost-ish sort of not romance ish. thing. It's a ghost. You know, it's a ghost. Okay, okay. So I have questions about you know the technicalities of how you fuck a ghost, but we're gonna save those for off the air. Um, so what other books do you have coming out or products do you have coming out this year for sure for now? Because I know things change at the drop of a hat. Sometimes you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna release this book. And I'm like, bitch, what? You were working on this? So <laughs> tell me what else you have coming out. Um I have at least one more like for right now for sure I have one more coming out which is called Bright Lights and it's a prequel novella in the Spies Who Loved Her series with Shantae and Asif about how they met inspired heavily by P-Valley um and Brandy Bush may or may not have something coming out. We shall see. Oh, yeah. So where can people find Brandy? You oh, know, right. Brandy writes the nasty shit. We want to know where to find Brandy too. Um, she is on Twitter at writebrandybush and on Instagram at brandybushwrites, but brandy period bush period writes. I should have just called it Brandy's Bush, but eh. see, I told you, I told you, you missed this opportunity and you did not believe Maybe me. Maybe whenever I make a website. <laughs> oh, apps, guys. <laughs> If Katrina makes his website, as soon as she makes it, I'm going to be linking it to everything. I'm like, hey, have you seen Brandy's Bush? And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, click this link. <laughs> and then Twitter will suspend you. <laughs> 
They will not. They will not. Because Brandy's Bush, <laughs> right? It's it's two separate things. They can't suspend me for that. They only suspend me when I when I talk shit about white people. They don't suspend me for when I say porny things. <laughs> but yeah, thanks again so much for being here. And we look forward to having you again soon. See, my goal is to bring as many romance authors as possible on here as much as I can <laughs> within reason. So Sham just lets me do what I want at this point. He's like, yeah, sure. Okay, Jen, it's fine. Bring, bring her. Okay, I'll, I'll be at home and you'll you'll record and I'll be like, yay, exactly what I wanted. Thanks. But yeah, thanks again. Thanks for having me. All right. So thank you, Katrina Jackson, aka Brandy Bush, <laughs> for being on the podcast yet again. I mean, if there is a way to bring her back pretty often i will figure out a way to do it y'all know me y'all i know feel how like I feel about romance i feel like she's gonna make a couple more appearances if you have anything to say about it and you have a lot to say about it eh, maybe sometimes you know in the future we'll see what happens we'll see what happens and uh, of course we'll put the links to katrina's socials in our show notes and links to her books and i will be making that canva graphic that i'll be sharing to the social media for monogamish and on my personal page at have you met jen um so sham now that you've gotten all that stuff that you didn't really participate in with the romance novel part of the conversation um what what would you like to share with our listeners today is there anything you want to tell them about us or about your your romance novel lack of reading or (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately there is a very much lack of reading of romance novels so i've got nothing to say on that point but you know what let me just Give them all the wonderful places they can find us and also let them hear my voice more because they've just spent about an hour and change not hearing it. So let me remind you how I sound. Yes, but of course, as always, you can find us at MonogamishPod on Twitter, at MonogamishPod on Instagram. You can find, you know, pictures being posted by, by Lovely Jen. You know, sometimes it's us, sometimes it's whatever, some episode, stuff like that. You can find us anchor.fm slash MonogamishPod. That's, you know, where published from so you can find episodes there you can send us voice notes and feedback and so on you can find us at monogamishpod.com that's our website that's where you get the detailed show notes slaved over by a a, a a poor desolate gen trying to do her best for you the listeners maybe not this week or at least it's going to be take a while this week because as we said before it's been a long week um and I wish, uh, Twitter, uh, oh patreon patreon.com is it slash monogamish pod? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, slash pod or search. You can't search for us. Yeah, so you got to type in patreon.com slash monogamish pod. Of course, on the website, you can find our merch. You can find cool merch featuring us. You can support us and, you know, let people know an awesome podcast that you listen to without having to say much because the merch would say it all. And I think that's mm-hmm. it. Twitter, Facebook, I mean, oh, Facebook. Facebook.com yeah. slash monogamish pod. Of course, we know some people out there are using Facebook, so we want to give you a chance to interact with us as well. So check us out there. Yes. Even though Facebook owns Instagram now, I, I still try to post things that are separate to Facebook sometimes. So just so you guys know, it's not all like the exact same thing. It's just like half the exact same thing. <laughs> just half the exact same thing. I mean, we just want to be able to reach you on your preferred social media website. Is there some website we don't know about? Let us know. Do you want us on TikTok? I don't think we can be on TikTok, but if if you really I'm, want us, I mean, we can, we can put... technically, right? Someone told me that we should have a TikTok, 
But I don't even know what, what we would TikTok? do there. No, I think it's more like a, a non-monogamous TikTok. So I think we'd focus it more on the topic of our podcast as opposed to actually being a podcast podcast. Oh, so it's like about our lives and stuff? Our, our lives or maybe like anecdotal stuff or like maybe clips from the podcast. I don't even know how TikTok works. I don't, I don't even have the app on my phone. I watch the TikToks that come through my space on Twitter or Instagram. I don't even Same. have the app itself, so I don't know. Yeah, we are we are uh, millennials, I believe. So we don't know about y'all, yeah. y'all Zoomer stuff. We're we millennials. Stuff, but if the need, if the desire, the desire, the demand is there, we will try to meet it. But as as of now, no TikTok. So you can find us on all those other wonderful places. Of course, as usual, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. SoundCloud about a day or two after where you can get our most recent episodes because they have restrictions on how much you can upload out there for free at least. And I believe that's where you can find us. Anywhere else yes. that we're not, tell us and we will try to be there. Yes, yes. I think that's pretty much everything. Yeah, everything and everywhere you can reach us. Um, but yeah, you should definitely be at PDM, like we said. Oh, yeah. And the other thing I want to talk about is you're too bright. Our uh-huh. friends with the clothing line. Just had to shout them out all the time. Yes, get, get yourself some cool, some cool yes. apparel featuring an awesome Jamaican art. I mean, come on. Yeah. Cool. If you're not Jamaican, look like a Jamaican and you can look cool too. <laughs> exactly. So you go to youtubebright.com and you put in the code monogamish and you get 10% off your order. So you don't forget it. That's right. Links will be in the show notes. As per used, you could definitely hit that up there. And once again, we want to thank our friends at altplayground.net for sponsoring La Podcast and keeping us honest or something. Yes, that's that. of course, that's what they do, I think. <laughs> but yeah, so again, thanks so much for listening. I uh, apologize if the show notes take some time, but, you know, like we said, what else? I'm Jen. <laughs> I'm Sham. And... and- we're monogamous. We're monogamous. Mm, that looks slightly off on this video.